You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 994 of the Lothon Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowling, coming to you on a Sunday evening into Monday. And the NBA playoffs are almost here. Do not miss the biggest storylines and team previews that you can find every single day on the Locked On NBA podcast. Follow the Locked On NBA podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Today's show will focus on what became a pretty interesting weekend for the Hawks that resulted in Atlanta being the number five seed in the East. They'll take on the New York Knicks to begin next weekend. In the first round of the NBA playoffs, they'll have to go to MSG first as the Knicks are the four seed. But a all-around positive close to the season for the Hawks, a great second half. Um, the Hawks finished the season with 11 consecutive home wins, which is obviously a pretty strong close at State Farm Arena. And the Hawks did win by a lopsided margin on this evening uh, against the Houston Rockets in a game that didn't mean anything in the standings, which is sort of taking away a little bit of the juice from Sunday night, but still a 124-95 win that we'll talk all about momentarily. So, plenty to get into as a primer for the rest of the week, this will be a wrap-up podcast of what happened on Sunday and over the weekend, and the rest of the week will be spent on some series preview stuff for Hawks-Knicks that begins over the weekend in New York. And uh, I am traveling later on this week, so I'm going to be recording a bunch of preview episodes, staggering them along the week, and we'll have plenty of content between now and tip-off in New York. So for Sunday's game, though, it was pretty interesting in a lot of ways. The injury report was kind of the driving factor in terms of the uh, it's sort of a uh, skeleton as to how things actually transpired overall. So we'll go through that now. The original injury report for the Hawks that they put out on Saturday evening in their standard time only had four guys listed. It was Cam Reddish is out. Akongwu was questionable with shoulder soreness. Uh, Kevin Herter was uh, probable, I should say, with ankle with ankle soreness. Tony Snell was probable with Achilles soreness. That was it. Those four guys. Then, on Sunday at 1 p.m., a midday update arrived that made things very, very busy for the Hawks. And part of that reason for that update was because Saturday night went in a way to outline the fact that if the Knicks won Sunday afternoon, the Hawks game was not going to matter anymore. And everyone knew that um, after Saturday and sort of in kind, they updated the injury report. So I'm going to list all the players that were on the injury report and the one o'clock update on, on Sunday. A Congo was actually upgraded from questionable to available. So that was the one positive. Then, Tony Snell and Trey Young, both probable. Bogdanovich, Capella, Gallinari, and Herter, all questionable. Chris Dunn ruled out with a left ankle impingement. That's a new injury for Chris Dunn, by the way, the opposite ankle of the one that's plagued him this year. So he did not play in this spot. Brandon Goodwin was ruled out with flu-like symptoms. And then Cam Reddish was always out with his Achilles recovery. So, suddenly, the Hawks went from four guys on the injury report to ten on the injury report. Um, At least, well, you know, ten was the number that included Kongo is really, really nine. But still, the Hawks had a lot, lots of injuries that they were evaluating. And obviously, you do the math there, it was because they needed some flexibility. I am firmly in the camp of believing that if the Hawks had needed to win Sunday night, they, we would have probably seen all of the guys who were questionable. Um, Millen ruled out Bogdanovich, Capella, Gallinari, and Herter out at, at pregame and made Snell and Trey Young um, game-time decisions. Those guys ended up playing in this spot. They probably didn't need, I mean, obviously didn't need anybody because they won my 29 points. The Rockets are quite bad, and we saw that coming in. Um, anyone observing the NBA in the last few months would know that the Rockets have been the worst team in the league, maybe along with the Thunder, for quite some time now. They actually started the season 11-10, and 10, 
and finished the season 17-55. So they finished 6-45 and in the last 50, 51 games. So that tells you a little bit about the Rockets. They're also shorthanded injury-wise. So it was reasonable to believe the Hawks could still win this game anyway, but it didn't matter by tip-off. Um, our friends at AG actually listed the Hawks as only a 7.5-point favorite in this game because, basically, in short, everyone knew the deal here. Um, Trey ended up playing only in the first half. John Collins played only in the first half. Even with all that, the Hawks were able to win this game going away, but they actually were opening about a 12, 13-point favorite in some spots. But as soon as the Knicks began to win, and oh, by the way, the Knicks almost lost, uh, which wouldn't have changed all that much, at least in practical terms, for the Hawks. The Hawks would have had a chance to get the 4 seed, which would have been interesting, um, and then we would have seen what, what Miami was going to do tonight. But the, the Knicks basically blew a pretty big lead to the Celtics C team and ended up holding on and winning. So there was some drama there, but once that happened, the, the plug was pulled and the Hawks had nothing to play for. Regardless, though, I watched the game, so here we are with a recap podcast, and we'll finish up with a look, a little, I would say briefly, into Hawks-Knicks for later on. But first, before we dive into the game itself on this podcast, a word from our sponsors on today's show, and the first of which is Indeed. Imagine you're the hiring expert for your company, and what you really need is to make your shortlist a quality candidate. You need a hiring partner who makes your life easier, and you need Indeed. Indeed is the job site that makes hiring as easy as one, two, three, post-screening interview all on Indeed. Get your quality shortlist of candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description faster. Only pay for the candidates that meet your must-have qualifications and schedule and complete your video interviews in your Indeed dashboard. Indeed makes connecting with and hiring the right talent fast and easy. With tools like Indeed Instant Match, which gives you quality candidates whose resume on Indeed fits your job description immediately, and Indeed Skills Test that on average reduce hiring time by 27%. You can choose from more than 130 skills tests or add your own, then add your must-have requirements so that you only have to pay for your applications that meet them. According to Talent Nest, Indeed delivers four times more hires than all the other job sites combined. If you're hiring, you need Indeed. Get started right now with a free $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash locked. Get a $75 credit at Indeed.com slash locked. Indeed.com slash locked. Offer valid through June 30th. Terms and conditions apply. All right, and we'll dive into the game now, sort of the ebb and flow of things. I won't do the entire detail that I normally would because it was A, it was a blowout, B, the game did not matter, and there wasn't a lot of effort in terms of like, you know, game flow stuff in the second half was kind of a punt for everybody. But anyway, uh, a 13-6 start for the Hawks in this game. A couple of awesome Trey Young passes in the first quarter. One to Kongwu, one to Collins. He had five assists in his first stint alone. He was fantastic when he played. Um, DeAndre Hunter got going early on with some comfortable pull-ups offensively. He was flying around defensively. We'll come back to him later on, of course. The Rockets did have one run in this game. They actually went on a 10-2 to take the lead early in the first quarter. The pace was really fast, in the especially in the first half, but really the entire game. The Hawks have been playing very, very slowly for a while now. Um, it's a little bit a little bit in the second half, but still the first half was kind of flying up and down. There was uh, the Rockets were trying to push things. They were very shorthanded as they have been in this game. They actually went um, to a starting lineup in this spot, by the way, of DeAndre Hunter, Solomon Hill at the uh, wing spots, along with Collins, Akongwu, and Trey Young. Um, they actually started Hunter, and part of the reason um, that they is, we'll actually play some audio for you later on about this. What uh, part of the reason why they actually started. Trey Young in this game and ended up playing him in this game was because they wanted to get him some reps with, with, with DeAndre Hunter, and that was part of the thing here. Actually, Hunter was playing the two on offense, like the four on defense almost. It was pretty interesting to see what they did defensively. Um, they actually, the second unit was Lou Williams, Skylar Mays, Tony Snell, Nathan Knight, and Bruno Fernando. And uh, this kind of tells you about this game when Knight and Fernando were, Knight and Fernando were playing in the first quarter um, together. 
all 10 guys who were available played the, in the first eight minutes. So that was uh, sort of setting the tone for the rest of the game. There was a awesome help side block from John Collins on a Linux in transition. Um, again, I sort of alluded to this a second ago, but interestingly, they had Collins almost playing the three on defense in this game in some ways, and they were having Hunter slash Hill slash Snell play the kind of four spot almost in a way. And I, saw, I was not the first person to say this. I think it was uh, Peter and Glenn Willis, a former guest on this podcast, mentioned it first. They were kind of, it seemed like anyway, setting it up to where they were having Hunter or Hill or Snell guard the four almost in preparation as a breeding ground for a Knicks preparation because obviously Julius Randle is kind of the point power forward for the Knicks in some ways. That was pretty interesting. Kind of lets people into the thought process of potentially having Hunter, especially um, in, in addition to Hill, maybe guard Julius Randle in the first round. But that was uh, notable, I thought. Um, there was a fun lob from Lou Williams to Bruno Fernando for a one-handed dunk in traffic. The bench erupted when Bruno had a dunk in that spot. In fact, he had several dunks, but that first one was uh, definitely a bench celebration. That was worth noting. Bruno actually tied his season high in scoring within three minutes of him arriving. He had six points in a hurry. Also at 36-33 at the end of the first quarter with 10 assists. They were uh, certainly doing whatever they wanted to on offense. Uh, in the second quarter, the Rockets took 23 three-point attempts before the Hawks made a three. And the Hawks were still dominating the game because the Hawks didn't need to take threes in this game. They were uh, getting whatever they wanted at the rim throughout the process. Um, Kong had a great, had sort of a crazy help side block where he hung in the air forever. He was really good in this game. We'll come back to him later on as well. They pushed the lead up to 10 and never really uh, dropped from there. They hit back-to-back threes finally, the Hawks did, when I believe it was Solomon Hill and Troy Young opening the floodgates a bit with a couple of threes. And then a nice uh, left-handed hook shot, a sort of a jump hook from a Kongwu off, off an offensive rebound that was nice to see flashing him in the first half. Um, and then Collins hit a three on a nice pass by Trey Young to put the lead up to 18 at the halftime break. So offensively, they were flying high. Uh, Trey had 10 and 9 at the half, 15 for Collins at the half. And then uh, those guys did not play anymore from that point forward. And again, I understood people that did not want to see, in particular, Trey play in this game because Trey's been a little bit banged up um, between the the giant pack that he had on his on his leg on his calf in the last game on Thursday to the hip that's been on the injury report to the big toe in this game I don't think Trey is like a a thousand percent healthy right now but they obviously thought he was healthy enough to play here and again try to get some cohesion between him and Hunter and all that stuff was uh ended up working out pretty well I think because uh, they got him some minutes and then they were able to shut him down at the half along with Collins in the third quarter not too much going on there. Obviously, the lead kind of ballooned. It went up to 23. Akamu had his career high in scoring early in the third. They actually started Mays and Snell in, play, in place of Young and Collins. Another another lob dunk from Bruno, which was cool to see. And actually, a couple of nice passes. Uh, not to say that Bruno's been good this year, because he hasn't been. But a couple of really nice, intriguing passes. And I think his passing has been underrated a part of his career so far. And it was good to see him sort of be able to uh, do what he was more comfortable doing in this game. And then down the stretch... Uh, you know, Kongwu was probably the biggest story in the second half, kind of flashing his athleticism, um, kind of looked like, like like he did at USC a lot of the time. Uh, there was one transition play where he was really flying around showing his burst. And, uh, you know, I've always kind of believed, as I've said a number of times in the Kongwu, but I think people are starting to sort of notice what he's able to do when he's uh, got it going. And there's sort of a fun night to uh, sort of observe that. And then the last thing that I want to make sure I mention, Nathan Knight, I kind of foreshadowed it a little bit on Twitter, actually. Um, he had missed 21 consecutive three-point attempts. It was 19 in a row coming into the, ba- coming into the game, and he, ma- he missed his first two in this spot. So I was worried he was going to close the night having missed 
21, 21 or 22 in a row to end the season. That, that would have been unfortunate. Obviously, Knight had a lot of flashes early on in the year and then kind of cooled off from there. But he made his last one, which is cool to see. Uh, he actually ended this game with a double-double. He had 13 and 10, which is pretty, uh, pretty impressive off the bench in 26 minutes. But anyway... That was good to see him do that, and uh, the Hawks had eight guys double figures, as we'll get into momentarily. Um, that kind of runs down what actually transpired in terms of the back and forth. Obviously, the lead was massive for Atlanta and never really relinquished. The Rockets scored 41 points after halftime, which was never going to be enough, um, even when, honestly, it was garbage time the entire game in some respects because this game did not mean anything, but once the Hawks pulled Trey and John, it was definitely more of an exhibition style in the second half, which is okay for everybody involved, obviously. You know, there were no injuries. Everybody just kind of get out of there healthy and uh, be okay with it. But that was kind of the tenor of the game, and the Hawks won by 29 after leading by somewhere in the 30s throughout most of the fourth quarter. Okay, before we get into the last segment of the podcast with some takeaways and some individual breakdowns and looking ahead at the next game, a word from our sponsors on today's podcast, and the first of which is BetOnline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing in addition to the NBA playoffs, which get going this week, and you can track all of the action at BetOnline. Get all the latest news, odds, and information on all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, of course, NHL, UFC, MMA stuff, golf, tennis, auto racing, horse racing, all that you need in the sports world in addition to entertainment odds, political bets, etc. Before the next pitch, head over to BetOnline on your laptop or mobile device. Check out all the greatest sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get in on the game as your team prepare for the run of the playoffs and even once they get there. Head to the website right now or use your mobile device up today and re- receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's 50% welcome bonus if you use the promo code Locked On. The promo code is Locked On. 50% welcome bonus with BetOnline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Today's show is also brought to you by the good folks at Built Bar. Built Bar is wonderful, as I always say on the podcast, but what is your favorite Built Bar flavor? Did you know that Built Bar has nine delicious flavors, plus the occasional limited time flavor? And when you talk about Built Bar, it's always a passionate thing for people that really enjoy their own flavors. And if you don't know the flavors, you're really missing out. It's coconut, coconut almond, cherry, raspberry, and many more. There's something for everyone. And my favorite flavor right now, anyway, I have many favorites, to be honest with you. But right now, I'm really loving the peanut butter brownie. That's just one that I'm really enjoying. I like to dive into that as much as possible. I always uh, talk about how much I enjoy Built Bar, and that is the one that I am diving into at this moment in time. If you haven't tried the flavors, though, get a mixed box right now where you get two of each of the nine available flavors at this moment in time. And not only are the Built Bar flavors fantastic, they're also very healthy. Most flavors have 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, only 4 grams of sugar, only 4 grams of net carbs, and a couple others have even more protein if you enjoy that kind of thing. Order today, get that raspberry mint brownie or whatever you would like, and if you do it in the near future, you go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, 15% off your first order with Built Bar. Use promo code LOCKED15, 15% off at BuiltBar.com. All right, and uh, obviously the numbers are very favorable to the Hawks in this game, but briefly, uh, Atlanta got whatever they wanted to at the rim, 70 points in the paint against only 24 for the Rockets, which is uh, pretty wild. Houston took 63, 63 threes in this game. Three times as many threes as the Hawks did. Houston took more than two-thirds of their shots from three in this game and shot 29% on threes, which is actually kind of a microcosm of the season. Houston is a top three team in volume of threes and a bottom three in accuracy team, so that kind of is rough. Anyway, the Hawks did whatever they wanted to offensively. Um, 60-plus percent on twos, uh, very efficient overall. 
Um, what, else, what else can you say? It could have been worse. Honestly, the Hawks were doing even more than this. And by the way, with the lopsided win, the Hawks now have a net rating of plus 2.2 for the season, which is uh, it hasn't been over two in a long time. So that was a nice little clutch end of the season to get up to, to number 11 overall in the league in net rating, just behind the Knicks, by the way, who were number 10. Um, individually, a lot to get to. Only 10 guys appeared in this game for the Hawks because that's all they had available um, in terms of the injury stuff. Um, we'll start with Bruno Fernando. I thought Bruno obviously had his best game of the season. 10 points, 9 rebounds, had 2 steals. Uh, season high in points. You know, 2 four ten from the floor is not ideal, but his passing was really good. He had assist. He had a couple of good other looks besides that. He played hard. It was good to see him kind of just playing loose. And obviously this game didn't mean anything, but it could see. I would say just encouraging to see him flash a little bit. He is on the team for next year in terms of contract-wise. He's owed some guaranteed money, so they have to kind of proactively think about what they're going to do with him next year. But uh, it's kind of a lost season for Bruno, but good to see him sort of end on a high note in this spot. I mentioned Knight before, um, breaking the three-point uh, drop that he had, but 13 points, 10 rebounds for Knight in 26 minutes, 6-9 from the floor, had two block shots, was definitely given the energy that he has been do- doing all season long. Uh, Tony Snell did not attempt a three in this game, which is kind of funny because he plays 24 minutes, had eight points, four of seven from the floor, two steals and an assist but Tony without taking a three he did he did fall short of the qualification for three-point title in the NBA he would have led the league in three-point shooting but did not have enough attempts slash makes he had to make 10 yes make not not, not attempt he had to make 10 tonight which is never going to happen but he finishes the season with 56.9 percent from three which is just crazy not a huge sample size but Tony Snell was a knockdown guy and uh, we'll see how much he continues to shoot in the playoffs but a fun season for Tony off the bench. Lou Williams was pretty quiet. 11 points, 6 assists though. Uh, was definitely leading the offense sort of the facilitator when he was out there in 17 minutes. Um, I thought he was pretty good but obviously not a lot going on there. Skylar Mays, 16 points and 7 assists off the bench. Had 2 blocks, which is funny for Skylar. 7-11 um, from the floor, 2-5 of five from 3. So a fun little night from Skylar Mays as well. The bench was all, was all very effective. And honestly, as funny as this is, the Hawks bench, which is really their third unit, was unquestionably more talented than Houston's backups in this game because that's just the way that the roster was breaking down for the Rockets um, to the starters and we'll go to DeAndre Hunter first um, Hunter actually was only 4-11 from the four, oh three 3 from 3 he cooled off in the second half for sure but he played I should say 24 minutes and uh, almost 25 minutes in this game and that was a big thing just to see him play more I'm going to play some audio for you now um, he was uh, Nate McMillan was actually asked about sort of why he was out there and kind of what he thought about um, Hunter's performance. So here's what Nate had to say about DeAndre and playing um, this kind of workload and how he looked. How did you think DeAndre Hunter looked out there and just how valuable is it to get him a decent chunk of playing time as he's trying to build up? Uh, he looked he looked fine. He, he was okay. Uh, the games that he has played, uh, he looks pretty good. Uh, tonight, what I wanted to do, uh, I asked Trey and and John to uh, give us uh, a few minutes because I wanted to start uh, Dre tonight and I wanted that combination of players to play together. Uh, so they, they got an opportunity to play the first half. I thought Trey did a really good job of uh, getting Dre involved, uh, calling some sets, calling his number, getting him the ball and uh, allowing him to play. Uh, and it was, you know, I just really wanted to take a look at that. So uh, it, it was good to see him out there. The voice you hear there is Sarah Spencer of the AJC. So shout out to Sarah for that. Um, but yeah, obviously you hear McMillan get into it there, but just wanted to see Hunter with the other guys who he's going to be playing with in the playoffs. And I think you know, he might have a restriction of some sort, but the Hawks won't open for almost a week now. They might be able to ramp up, up, up a little bit here. And him playing 
the most minutes that he's played for a while is very helpful. And defensively, he just looks like a monster still. Um, not a huge surprise there, but he was flying around physically. Um, offensively, he looked fine. A little bit of rust in terms of his shot making, but got to the line eight times. I think Hunter taking a step forward is a huge factor. And as I said before, you might see him guard Julius Randle. You might see him guard RJ Barrett. You, I'm not really sure what they're going to do with him. I think Randle's a pretty good bet on some level, but uh, he looks good to me. And uh, hopefully that carries over with a full week of practice to have him even uh, get more polished between now and tip-off. Um, from there, Solomon Hill. Um, love the team in minutes, which is kind of funny. 36 minutes for <laughs> Solomon Hill in this game, plus 30 for Solo. Six points, five rebounds, four assists, two steals, two seven from the floor, two of six from three. Just kind of a funny Sol- Solomon Hill night, filling in the gaps, playing all kinds of minutes and doing his veteran stuff. Um, John Collins, 15 points in the first half only. It's all he played, and he was really good, taking advantage of the ma- of the matchup stuff that he had against the Rockets. Um, Trey Young, 10 points, 9 assists, 2 steals in the first half that, that he played. Um, three down from the floor, but just was in full control of the offense offensively. And by the way, Trey finished his second in the NBA in assists this year, so uh, pretty impressive stuff there. Back-to-back years, number two in the league in assists. Can't ask for much more than that from your young point guard. And then uh, finally, Onyeka Kongwu who was awesome in this game. Best best game of his career, 21 points, career high, 15 rebounds, career high, two steals, two blocks, three assists, plus 17, 33 minutes, 10 of 13 from the floor. Only thing that he didn't do well was the free throw, free throw line in this game, one of three there, but uh, he was very, very good. McMillan was very pleased with his, with his performance, obviously, getting him more um, sort of exposure ahead of the playoffs. There is definitely a question about how much he's going to play against the Knicks, but he will potentially play a little bit, and honestly, he could not have looked better in this game. He looked very, very good. And uh, if nothing else, the future is bright for a Kongwu. Um, this year, maybe not going to be like a huge factor in the playoffs. Maybe he will be. But regardless, he looks good to me. I've always been a believer, and I thought he was awesome in this game. Rounding out a couple of stats here of guys who did not play in this game. But Daniel Gallinari shot 92.5% from the free throw line in this game. Uh, and uh, Sorry, not this game. This season. And that was number three in the NBA. And the second best all-time by a Hawk behind Bellinelli from three years ago. So Gallo at the line is uh, almost automatic. And then Capella, who I talked about a lot on Friday's podcast, by the way, I, I gave sort of the all-defensive case for Capella on that pod on Friday night. Um, I, won't, I won't do that whole thing again, but you can listen to that listen to that show for that. But anyway, he finished the season number one in rebounding in the NBA, um, 14, 14.3 per game for Capella. The first Hawk to lead the league in rebounding since Matumbo in 2000, and the most rebounds per game by a Hawk since Kevin Willis in 92. So a pretty awesome season for Capella, even though he didn't play in this game. Um, all right, before we get out of here, obviously it will be Hawks, Knicks. I tried to re- I tried to record as late as possible to see if the schedule was going to come out. I'm recording right now at actually 11.46 p.m., and no schedule yet for the games. I'm not sure when it's going to come out, honestly, um, because of the play-in, it's all a little bit uncertain. I know one thing, though. The Hawks will open in New York against the Knicks at MSG on either Saturday or Sunday um, next week. So that's going to be the case. The play-in tournament is going to be Tuesday through Friday overall. So as I mentioned a few times, you know, the Hawks are guaranteed five days off. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. McMillan said Monday is an off day for the Hawks. They're going to return to practice on Tuesday. And then basically they'll have four full days to ramp up. I'm sure they have a a couple of full contact practices along the way there. Um, we will not know the schedule, though, until it's actually announced by the league, and we'll see what happens there. Um, you know, obviously the story that you'll hear throughout the next week is that New York owned Atlanta this week, uh, sorry, this season. They were 3-0 in the season series. The Knicks won in January, February, and April. Uh, the April game, Trey Young got hurt 
and the Hawks were up by eight points when he left the game, and they probably would have won the game. That's a, definitely a huge asterisk, and the first two games were under the previous regime as well for the Hawks, so definitely some uncertainty. If you watch closely, if you look, if you look at this stuff closely, I don't think there's too much takeaway from these season series, quite honestly. Um, Julius Randle is definitely concerned. He's been awesome this year, but in the three games... The Knicks shot 48% from three in those three games, which I don't think is going to be sustainable. They are a pretty good shooting team from three, although on pretty small volume, they were top five in the league in three-point accuracy this year. But still, they're actually a bottom 10 offensive team, which it's kind of hard to be like 22nd, 24th in offense, something like that, wherever you find whichever system you want to use for between cleaning the glass and NBA.com. The Knicks were a bottom 10 offense, and it's kind of tough to be – that good in terms of their uh, overall record while being that bad on offense. Um, but their defense is actually very good. So they were, I believe, number four in, in defense this season. So that's kind of the formula for the Knicks. It's a, it's a Tom Tito team. If you're not familiar with them, um, sort of beyond this, they're just kind of a grinding team. Thibodeau, bunch of defenders, and Julius Randle trying to get loose along with R.J. Barrett, a couple of their shooters. So I will save my pick for later, but I think the Hawks, um, I've said before this week and the last couple of weeks that the Knicks were the team that I would I would have wanted to play if I was the Hawks. Now I'm not on the team. They didn't say this. Um, it's not bulletin bulletin more more material. But um, if you give me a choice between playing the Bucks or the Heat, um, I would have taken the Knicks. Um, obviously, Boston in their current state would have been a better matchup, but that was never going to happen because they kind of fell apart. So, not having home court is a little bit of a downgrade, obviously, for the Hawks because they've been so good at home this year. But in the Knicks, you're playing a team that actually does not have a huge experience edge either. Like, one of the questions, I will not, I'm not saying it's going to be a huge factor, but one of the question marks is that this Hawks team, barring a couple of the veterans like Gallinari and Capella, does not have a ton of experience in the playoffs. Uh, Lou Williams has, has some, obviously, but a lot of the core guys, you know, Trey Young, Madonovich, Collins, Hunter, those guys are all in their first trip to the playoffs. So, a question mark there, for sure. But the Knicks don't have a ton either. Like, their coach does, just like the Hawks does. You know, Thibodeau and McMillan have experience. Randall, not a big experienced guy in the playoffs. RJ Barrett, no experience. They do have Derrick Rose, who's been who's been, there, who's been around and stuff before. But this is the kind of team where if they play Miami, and, you know, they could have they beat Miami, for sure. But Miami was just like, they've done this before. Jimmy Butler has been there before. Smolster's been there before, all that stuff. Um, the Knicks are kind of green as well. So, I would feel pretty good. I'll just, I'm not going to give my pick away at this point in time. I'm going to spend the entire uh, next couple days kind of doing some analysis and talking to people that I trust. But I feel good about this if I'm a Hawks fan. If I'm a Hawks fan listening to this podcast, I would feel pretty positive about this. Yes, you have to go on the road for four out of seven, but the Hawks are playing very well right now. And I think the season series stuff is a little bit overblown. So that's my little primer here at the top of the podcast. As I've said a couple times before, I have some travel to uh, do this week. I'm very grateful, quite honestly to the Hawks, not, not only because I cover them, but uh, I am I have some groomsmen duties that will be happening ne- next weekend, and uh, I was worried that if they were in the play-in, it would have been very difficult for me to cover the play-in. Now I will have the opportunity to do, some, do, do all of my series preview content this week, schedule it out a little bit, and not have too much of a gap. If the Hawks do play on Saturday, I will be a little bit late recording my recap podcast, so hopefully everybody will be understanding of that. This is a required travel <laughs> event that I have, but... Uh, we'll have plenty. I have some guests lined up. I'm not going to give those guys away because I don't ever like to do that until it's actually been recorded. But I, at this moment, I have three or four podcasts scheduled between now, including not including this one, I should say, three, three or four more podcasts between now and tip-off on Saturday or Sunday. So hopefully those all come through. 
But um, please subscribe to the podcast. Best way to find the podcast is to subscribe slash follow the show on your podcast platform of choice, whether it be Apple Podcasts or Spotify, Stitcher, Odyssey, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, all those places you can find our show. You can hopefully do that now. If not, let me know and I will get that fixed for you. You can follow me on Twitter at BT Roland. I encourage you to tell your friends about the podcast as well as leave some five-star ratings and some reviews, all of that fun stuff. Thank you for listening. I'm excited to get into the playoffs for the first time since the maiden voyage. When I started this podcast, the first season was a playoff team, and ever since, it's not been a playoff team. So I'm excited to dive back in to the playoffs and sort of sift through everything that's going on. So subscribe to the show, tell your friends, and we'll see you next time.